Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, we are. (laughs) We are in the middle of our fantastical scream rewatch. Wow, I can't say that. (laughs) Rewatch. Going off to a great start. And today we are screaming for the fourth time. We are talking about. Ah, 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 ah. Yes. You thought I wasn't going to do it. You thought wrong. Exactly. The longer that they get, the more that it starts to sound like crows in the back. And then it just reminds me of like the crows and, you know, also great. But we are talking about Scream 4, this wonderful, it's fantabulous movie. I'm giving you my opinions of this already. Name the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which the villain... Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, uh, Last House on the Left, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, My Bloody Valentine, When a Stranger Calls Prom Night, Black Christmas, House of Wax, The Fog, uh, Piranha. It's one of those, right? Right? It came out in 2011, and it was directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson, who have done the OG, uh, which is why it's probably better than the third one who had a different writer. But this one, we have the dynamic duo back together again, and along with some colorful castmates that we know and love, it is starring again David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and some newbies, but famous newbies, as should with the franchise or with the chain, Emma Roberts, Hayden Panettiere, Anthony Anderson, Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Warwick Culkin, just to name a few. That doesn't even scratch the surface of all of the wonderful people that you see in this movie. So mm-hmm. obviously, heavy spoilers, we're going to be talking about Everything in Scream 4 from top to bottom and probably referencing Scream 1 through 3. So if you have not caught up, please press pause, catch yourself up. It's a good watch and then come back and listen to us. Any trigger warnings, Jamie? Lots more stabbings and murders (laughs) and bloody and like some pretty gruesome some pretty gruesome ones yeah. this time around, too. A lot of out uh, insides on the outsides things <laughs> that are happening. Yep. They're here. really keeping up with that trend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even more mm-hmm. so in this go around. So before we get into it, I just want to say, as far as things that I have watched, I finally finished Bojack Horseman. And I only say that <gasps> oh. because of Allison Bree. <laughs> being in this movie mm-hmm. and she plays mm-hmm. Diane in Bojack Horseman. And it was one of those things where I was going through it and didn't even realize I was at the end. And mm-hmm. so when things were happening, I was like, wait a minute. And then the final scene, I was like, oh no, this is the end. This is it. Ah! And But it was fantastic. I think 
everyone got exactly what they needed, deserved, wanted. And I'm just, you know, I stand Princess Carolyn. So that's all I'm going to say about <laughs> that. She's mm-hmm. actually my spirit animal, fantastic. And it was a good watch. And so I honestly didn't know Allison Brie, uh, that much before this, I watched the TV show Glow on Netflix, mm-hmm. the women's wrestling thing. So good. so good. And I just didn't mm-hmm. realize that she has voiced a lot of animated characters. So it was cool seeing that. And uh, going into it, I've seen Scream 4 before, but didn't realize that that was Alison Brie. I didn't know who she was at the time. Sure, sure. That so makes sense. Now, having watched Glow, having watched BoJack Horseman, going back and watching Scream 4 for the second time this go around, I was like, oh my God, it's Alison Brie. This is so great. Mm-hmm. Being manic and wonderful. And uh, it was a good time. So let's get into a plot summary of this. Guys, are you Question ready? Mark? Question mark? <laughs> you do this? What's the plot? <laughs> Yeah, this is the random male noise here, Brian, the producer. Uh, who is going to do this today? <laughs> Jamie put her uh, hand on her, her finger on her nose. All right. and I, think it's you. It. I think it's you, Nikisha. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm really just going to be like talking about all the things I loved about it, but let's see if I can get through the whole thing. <laughs> You're like, my favorite part was this, and my favorite part was also this. Exactly. Oh, but also my favorite part was this. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Go. So we open in as we normally do with one of the Stab movies, but then we figure out it's a movie within a movie. We're now at Stab 7, and the opening of Stab 7 is Stab 6. So crazy. So then we actually get into the actual real world, quote unquote, where people are watching the Stab 7s, and then they get killed, of course, as opening credits do. The two random people are dead. And then we move into Sydney Prescott on a book tour. She was an actress. She was a uh, therapist. And now she's a book writer. And she's going back to Woodsboro to promote her book with her um, manager, Allison Bree's character. And there are killings that are happening now that she is back. And we find out that uh, her niece or cousin, her cousin, Jill, is uh, living in Woodsboro. She's like the new Sydney and her friends are the ones that are getting murdered. And so Sydney is trying to help her figure out who is coming back to uh, murder these people and murder her friends. And uh, funny enough, they're really not going after Dewey and Gail. They're still there. They're, they're still married. Dewey is a sheriff. So random. Where did his lip go? Who knows? But now he's back and he's a sheriff and there's someone that's even doofier than him working for him. <laughs> named Judy. Anyway, we'll get back to that. People are dying. Sydney tries to find who the killer is through a series of events. All of Jill, who's Sydney's cousin, all 30 of her friends seconds. die. And then at the end, we realize when Sydney is face-to-face with Ghostface, that Ghostface is actually her cousin Jill, who wanted to just be famous for something bad happening to her because that is a new motive in the social media era. And uh, we think that Jill has killed Sydney, but then there's a false ending hospital scene afterwards that happens, and Sydney ends up killing Jill, and everything is back right with the world, and Sydney and Gail and Dewey are all still happily alive and roaming with Burrow once again. Yeah. Oh my god, nailed it! Yay! Whoa. Woohoo! And that's the plot. <laughs> Amazing. That was good. That was a really good one. <laughs> Fantastical. 
yes, and this is only my t- second time watching the movie, but it's just so good. So obviously I've said a thousand times I've seen this before and I like it. So I'm asking you guys, is this the first time you've watched it? And give me your initial thoughts of it. We'll start with Jamie. Um, this is the first time that I have ever seen Scream 4. And boy, I mean, uh, I was going to say don't call the comeback, but it's a com- this is great. I had such a good time watching this. It's so much better than Scream 3, mm-hmm. like leaps and bounds. I actually think it's also better than Scream 2. I agree. Um, and yeah, um, it was just so – it definitely like kind of went back to the roots of – finding that balance between like humor and horror without being overly over the top humorous, um, which was like kind of the direction that the series, that the trilogy was going to through. And then um, I think it found its footing again on this fourth one, which only makes me so much more excited for the fifth one coming out. Um, Yeah. I, I just feel like um, this, this, Definitely got back to the roots and was just an overall really good time. It wasn't overly complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that they keep thinking of really creative, witty ways to to explore the meta. Um, Like they keep trying to up the idea of the meta. The opening is 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 really good. Um, It's like really, really good. And I was shocked. And like all the people that are just like immediately in this movie, like it blew my mind mm-hmm. and I was just like freaking out on my couch. Brian will attest to that later, but, um, <laughs> yes. it, yeah, like it starts off really strong. I, I love the meta in this one. It's just an overall really great installment in the chain. Yeah. I mean, like Kristen Bell and uh, what, Anna Paquin? <laughs> just like, yeah. hey girls, what's up? <laughs> just, <laughs> we're just going to have this little nice cameo and just, you know, mm-hmm. Kristen's going to go all crazy slasher and, and, and kill people. And it's just wonderful. Brian, mm-hmm. your your thoughts? I had never seen this movie. And I, 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 I've heard from people like you, some other friends who really love this movie. And I just didn't know what to expect. And I loved this movie. This was so good. I agree with both of you that this is um, behind two and three, or in front of two and three. Like, mm-hmm. like you know what I mean? We'll revisit the directions. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. But I like, I loved it. I thought it was smart. I thought it was gory. I thought it was well acted. And something that it leans into that um, that Jamie started to like allude to is how many famous people are in this. Be and and when famous when when everybody is played by someone famous like this like Adam Brody usually plays a sketchy guy or at least we've seen him that mm-hmm. way a lot. Anthony Anderson's well known. Um, you know, uh, her her aunt or or, or whoever her um, whoever her the the older woman was in relation to her yes. the the like um, is is also famous from like Battlestar Galactica and stuff like that. Like like. Um, they're just so the point I'm trying to make, I'm sorry, is that there are so many famous people in this and they're leaning into that because then it's harder to guess who the killers are. Um, um, so I, because like in the second one, like 
all of a sudden Lori Metcalf shows up and you're just like, oh, of course she's a killer. Like, But in this one, if <laughs> yeah. she showed up, I'd have no idea if she was or not. So I like they leaned into that. Um, I thought mm-hmm. this movie was awesome. I thought the, all the performances were super fun. It was the opening. If, if the first movie's opening wasn't as iconic, this would be my favorite opening, I think. I just Absolutely. like fell for the gag. I also love Amy T. Garden. Um, who was in Friday Night Lights. I hadn't seen her since like the last time I watched Friday Night Lights. So it was just like, I loved everything about this movie, how meta it was, how they talk about a fourth movie in a trilogy, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, or the fourth movie after a trilogy and, and things like that. I just like, I really dug it. I, I really, really dug it. I thought um, Hayden Panettiere was awesome in this movie. Um, I was, I was deeply upset when she died because like, mm-hmm. that was just really like, oh, that really is sad. Um, well, it's also right after that great part where she's just like, re- like saying all of those movies. And I just yeah. like deeply, I just felt super validated in that moment. And then she just dies and it's like, oh, but like you were so good in this and knew all of those horror movies and, and like we stand Hayden in this movie. We yeah. yes, we stand her. Because <laughs> um, also, we'll still be like America's sweetheart. Like remember the Titans? Like you can't kill that girl. Totally. Like, what are you doing? Wait, but have you seen the Bring It On that she's in? With <sighs> we're not going to talk with about the that. She's <laughs> she's literally that. also an indestructible <laughs> cheerleader in Heroes. Uh, no yeah, but she's also a really great crumping cheerleader <laughs> in Bring It um, On. <laughs> But I did, I did love this movie a lot. I was, I I expected it to be good because people like it, but like, I didn't expect it to be like really good, like actually good, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like not cult good. Mm -hmm. It's like actually good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, we can, we can have this discussion too. Of course, where it's drawing from the OG and we can, you know, correlate the two but do you think that this would be a good standalone movie if you did not have the reference or does it just enhance it even more because of the Mm. og reference this movie does not is not as satisfying if you haven't seen the other ones it's just not fair I, yeah. I, you, you don't know the, these, they don't do any work for you to get to know these characters because you're supposed to know them already. All of this mm-hmm. is pulling from the first movie, like you just mentioned. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces there. They like mention Billy casually. Like, if, yeah, if you don't know, right. like, that yeah. whole end sequence makes no like it. No, this movie does not work. I think it still works as like a fun slasher, but in terms of like plot wise, this doesn't work without the other ones, at least the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there are so many, not only spoken references, but just things that happen that you're like, oh, when Charlie is sitting tied up on the patio and you're like, oh, that's a reference to the first movie and the opening. Totally. And, you know, them doing the questions from there. Or when the boyfriend is stuck in the closet tied up because he's going to, they're going to pin everything on him. It's like the same as when they were going to pin everything on Sydney's dad in yeah. the opening. And so you get those things, not only them talking about, you know, you're the Billy to my stew or whatever <laughs> they'd said. Right. Like, you know, getting those references, but it's just nice to also have those little nuggets of like, 
oh, you're, you know, uh, really just recalling the OG. And they mention it multiple times. One of the things that I really, well, of the thousand things I love about this movie is the fact that they're always talking about the rules, but because this is number four, they're like, you have two options. You can go the complete opposite way and do whatever you want to do, or you're going to just go back to the original. Mm. And it's a matter of like, oh, well, what are they going to do? Well, they're going back to the original, you know, as opposed to like two or three where it's like we're in a sequel or we're in part mm-hmm. of the trilogy. And so these are the rules and they kind of follow those rules. But now we're on the fourth one in the chain and you're like, well, what can happen? But the best option was for them to just do the OG one and it just works so well. And mm-hmm. to add to that, my question is, did you guess the killer? Was it obvious no. Uh, this go around. Okay. No. Absolutely it wasn't. not. <laughs> guess very, very wrong. Tell yeah. your guesses. Ooh, what'd you think? You know, I don't even remember at this point. We we talked more about who we'd be upset that it was than we mm-hmm. did who we thought it was, if that makes sense. No. I I started to like act like talk out like possible guesses of like how I thought they were trying to frame it. So yeah. um so I'll talk through I, I will yes. talk through my process if that's okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um so my first guess was, oh, maybe it's Allison Bree, because like it would be really interesting if using this event as like a way to publicize uh Sydney's story more effectively and like maybe, you know, she didn't want to come to this like Bodunk town and maybe by uh, this mur- like these murders picking back up, she would sell more books. Mm-hmm. Um then I was like, okay, now they want us to really believe it's Judy because right. they're like going way over the I was like, it's not Judy, but they want us to think it's Judy because mm-hmm. they're trying so hard because she's obviously in love with Doofy, which I do not understand why. And then they retcon <laughs> the fact that she's Sydney's classmate, weirdly standing in like the shadow. I didn't even I, I could didn't even see her in that scene until she like fully walked forward. I was like, who is she talking to? I couldn't see anything. It was very strange. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was super weird. I also unrelated guessed that Kristen Bell was going to stab, um, Anna Paquin in that opening scene. Cause I was like, Kristen Bell's re- being real shady right now. Um, and then, and then stabbed her. Um, who else? I basically thought it was everyone except for Emma Roberts. Oh, there was one point where Brian guessed Adam Brody because he historically plays the bad guy and things unexpectedly mm-hmm. and, and was like, this might be part of that, that Adam Brody, uh, trope yeah. um. I did say that I would be disappointed <laughs> if it was him um yes. and then uh this became like the Trevor show where everything was being blamed on Trevor so you knew it wasn't gonna yeah. be Trevor but like yeah right. because right. I don't think that they'll ever redo uh the the Billy thing I don't think that I mean unless they totally throw us for a loop in number five I just think that like it's been done like they keep talking about the meta and, and you know, the idea that like things are, are getting wilder and wild. Like, I just right. don't think they would revisit something because it's like, it's been done. Right. We want something new. Um, so I didn't think that that was going to be the situation. I didn't even guess the right, uh, like TV, um, kid, I oh, guess yeah. the wrong, the Charlie. one that was live streaming yeah. all the things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess him. Um, I think I guessed him for the same reason that I'm like just to go viral. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guessed wrong. 
And so that has been Jamie guessing the wrong murders. <laughs> <laughs> well, also when when they when they say the rule about how gay people don't die um, mm-hmm. in those movies, the kid who actually ends up doing it, the Culkin sibling, makes a face. Um, so I actually thought he was the closeted one because he makes the face. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of like discounted him uh, yeah, in, in that sure. moment. Uh, but I just thought that. I, I I really liked the twist, and I also like that we find out pretty early on who they are. Meaning, like we have another like fifteen minutes left, <clears throat> um, right? Mm-hmm. So that was really cool, and I liked that. And then it be, and then it like just turned back into like a scream movie, where at least mm-hmm. honestly, Dewey's an idiot in this movie as usual, but he's not as funny, goofy, doofy. I think. I'm sorry, I think you mean. Doofy. Sorry. Doofy is not as doofy <laughs> yes. in this movie, but he's still doofy. They don't lean oh, into yeah. like the comedy <laughs> of doofy. I actually got mm. frustrated by him because and instead of just like rolling my eyes at him, which I think is like mm. a good step in the right direction. Like um Oh, with the stab. With the stab in the shoulder. Well, I was happy he actually figured he actually figured it out, and that well, Gail helped him. Right sure, out. sure, but they didn't say anything. Like he was actually able. There wasn't a joke to be like, like there wasn't a joke. Then she corrects him. Oh, left is right is right is left. Yeah, doofy doofy. I like that. <laughs> But there were there were other moments in there where he's on the phone, like all of his doofy goofy things with um, Gail, like didn't totally work for me. Um, uh, And uh, yeah, and I have um, I kind of liked the beginning of this movie. I wrote down this movie felt like there was so much freedom without having to deal with Sydney Saga up front. And while I'm Mm -hmm. glad that it kind of tied in in the end in a in a in a way that like did not like have the movie in a chokehold, if that makes sense. Uh, right. And mm-hmm. I, I, that's what, there was something very freeing about this, that they weren't obliged to like do something in the Sydney saga, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, something else that I wasn't sure about, but Wikipedia has confirmed mm-hmm. was um, the relationship between Sydney and her. Yes. Aunt, if it was her paternal or maternal aunt. And Wiki says that it's her maternal aunt. Okay. I have something. Which was another then then I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's her because if that's her maternal aunt, then or aunt, however, mm-hmm. however you all say it. Um <laughs> and I say sorry, aside, I I call my aunts by the Spanish name, the Puerto Rican Spanish name. So all of my aunts' aunts are called Titi, which is why I'm like, I don't know how you say aunt or aunt. Anyway, Got it. um <laughs> But then I was like, okay, maybe it's her because like maybe she's mad about like all the the same thing, but just the wrong person. She's mad about all the attention that her sister got yes. over all this stuff, and like now it's her niece and like blah blah blah. Um, but I guess like it, they just didn't seem to talk about it enough, like about that relationship enough, which right. is why then Brian was like, no, it has to be the paternal one. Like there, there's no way because then they would have to retcon all this stuff. They just didn't like, they didn't say anything. That about really it. bothered me. Now that I know that it's the maternal <laughs> aunt, like I, it just seems like if she had an aunt, that was her mother's sister that mm-hmm. like, that seems like that would have factored in more into the original three movies as well as they have like more conversations about the fact that there's this rampant killer on the loose. The original ones killed her mother. She had a half brother and then killed all of Sydney's friends. Like 
it just totally feels too casual. I, I, that if I have one like major plot bone to pick there and like creating a world, it's that one, mm. no question. Like um, that yeah. really totally bothered me. Yeah, I mean, they only had that one scene in the kitchen where the mom makes like a side comment of like, well, nobody asked me about all of my issues and trauma mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, and then it just kind of goes from there. But it is it is interesting watching it the second go around and kind of seeing how Emma Roberts is playing the role because there's some expressions and things that she does and manners of speech uh, where you're kind of like, Oh wait, something is going on there. Like every time hmm. kind of like Sydney would appear out of nowhere, it would kind of be like, yes, I'm surprised to see you, but also like I'm surprised to see you because I need you to not be here. Like I, I you yeah. know, yeah. I have an issue with you. And I think that's uh just a, a really fun testament to Emma Roberts acting, but also the fact that this movie really kind of lends itself into, I don't know. I laugh at all the comments that Emma made about Nev Campbell's like ingenue days being over with. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just funny because Emma Roberts was becoming the new scream queen in that instance Mm -hmm. too, because everything with American horror story and then having the TV show scream queen, it's just like, Mm -hmm. she is the person, which is also a really nice trajectory from being a Nickelodeon kid. Uh, you know, yeah. and then being like the next face of horror, uh, everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. This is the second time around going and, and seeing, oh, wait, no, there is a little bit of a hint there. But I love that you guys, like, it was still completely new because I was ready for you to be like, oh, yeah, of course it was Jill. Of course it was in I'm so, no, okay. <laughs> I am mad though for all of the reasons that, that you said because I, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like Emma Roberts is like typecast a bit in playing this like consistent, like mean teenager role. Like she's always the like she's the bitch. Yeah. And I'm like, why? I was like, oh, she's not a bitch this time. This is like almost weird. And I should have just known that it was a decoy. And the real thing is she was a bitch because she's so good at it. And definitely I'm like, is this real? And no, I'm not calling you a bitch. Emma Roberts. I'm so sorry, but I'm just like, you're just so good. You're (laughs) so good. It makes you wonder. Wait, because this uh, this came out in 2011, and we were mm-hmm. we're already knee deep in American Horror Story seasons by this point. Yes, um, uh, so she had already maybe appeared in that. Uh, that I don't know, but she was okay. in. Um, I think you're right. Twenty, yeah, because Coven was 2013. That was, I think, the first one that she's in. So this is before uh, is Coven. So this is before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, yeah. Interesting. Sorry, yeah. And then, um, so she's in that. So that's 2013 to 2014. Then she's in Freak Show. And in 2015 to 2016, she's in Scream Queens, then mm-hmm. Cult, then mm-hmm. Apocalypse 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So, and then she's a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag, drag Race. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, she's in The Black Coat's Daughter. I forgot about um, that. Yeah. That's interesting because she. Um, so this is before her like initial bitch casting time then um unless you count hotel for dogs as <laughs> yeah because she was <laughs> or nancy drew i wonder if because because i'm her father is eric roberts and her her aunt is julia roberts mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. i'm wondering if like you know that that julia roberts kind of like 
good girl, like underdog, like, you know, hooker, like with a heart of <laughs> yes. gold persona, like was like, cause she's a Nickelodeon girl. And then she's in like Aquamarine and Nancy Drew. So she's playing mm-hmm. these like mm-hmm. young, like, you know, you, uh, like good natured characters or whatever. And then, sure. and then she does a, she does a lot of rom-coms. Like it's kind of a funny story. Um, not, not necessarily a rom-com, but like, you know, a, a dramatic comedy about mental health. And then, and then she gets into like scream four and it kind of blows up from there. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, <coughs> yeah. I mean, but do you also, if you're thinking along just the general scream lines, of course you don't think that someone in the immediate family of Sydney would be the one that's causing all of this. And then I also like the, the aspect of just the whole social media speech and her just <laughs> saying at the end that, you know, sane is the new sick, which, or sick is the new sane is what she's sick is the new mm. sane. And the aspect of like, you don't have to have a talent or do anything in particular to be famous. You just need something bad to happen to you. And with that, Jamie, can we just discuss, I mean, how, how are we even diagnosing Emma Roberts character in this? Because the fact that she is high schooler at that mm-hmm. who's willing to lose her mom and her all of her immediate best friends and we don't even mm-hmm. know like who killed who necessarily i think at the end charlie says like some of the folks that he killed himself you know mm-hmm. um but and i guess we can assume that he was the one who killed jill's emma roberts mother but mm. yeah someone who is willing to do all of that to hatch that plan and not even for anything, but just to have fans. She said she didn't want friends. She wanted fans. Mm-hmm. Where are we taking this? Where, what is this coming from? Where is this coming from mentally? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, <laughs> they're definitely, you know, I feel like they try to kind of keep the same bucket, but I do think it's just getting harder and harder to keep to like keep these buckets of psychopath and sociopath. Like, yeah. I mean, it's clear that both of these kids like were doing things for the wrong reasons. I think like, I mean, maybe one can argue that they're both psychopaths because like they both were like pretty calculating when it comes to how they organized everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Emma Roberts just like had a couple extra steps that the other guy was not involved in. Right. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. And uh, I mean, I think that they're trying to say something about, and, and I'll also say like, in terms of like diagnoses, like <clears throat> I know I referenced the, the DSM, the diagnostic manual yeah. in previous episodes, but that bad boy does not get updated very often. Mm. Um, I think like, oh man, I'm, I'm really going to date myself, but the, like the DSM five is like the fifth update that came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. And before that, the last update I want to say was in, uh, n- nine, n- <laughs> <laughs> Two two thousand, 
2000. So there we go. That, wait, because you said there's the DSM-5 now. Yeah. So it's the same manual and they just right. keep updating it. But it takes a very long time for them to update mm-hmm. because they're like, you know, it's like all this research over long periods of time. And mm-hmm. so they'll like make adjustments based on like, well, now we know more about like this particular thing or like now we know that, you know, homosexuality is not something that is a mental illness. This should not be included in here. And like, we'll course correct. Thank God. Uh, But there are still things in there that are problematic. And, you know, there are still things that aren't necessarily identified, like currently identified, but like, Mm. you know, uh, like, Addiction to the internet, for example, I think mm-hmm. is something that's like become more commonly discussed, but I don't from, and, and like I mentioned, I also haven't been proper, fully trained in DSM-5. So if I'm missing this, my bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't think that's something that's like formal, formally in the most updated version of the DSM, which came out in 2013. So like now we're in 2022 and like we have all these different forms of social media. Um, You know, we have people just spending hours and hours and hours on their phones Mm -hmm. Um, or like people who, who talk about like porn addiction or like anything that's like outside of substance use, Mm -hmm. um, like isn't really, you know, diagnosed a a ton. Um, But like that being said, you know, I absolutely think that the amount of time that we're spending on social media can definitely like, you know, have a very negative effect on our mental health and well-being. And who's to say like for someone who's as young as she is, um, like how that might have influenced her brain development, her social development, like all of these things have the potential to be influenced, Mm -hmm. um, by her, by her like obsession with social media, by her obsession with, um, you know, like her life being on display, wanting to be famous, whatever like thing she's going for. Um, but also like kind of tangentially connected to this like family trauma, Mm -hmm. Um, that, that, you know, she, she says like, everyone's only focusing on Sydney and, and, you know, does she feel left out? Does she kind of like, um, cotton in like the earlier movies, it's like, he really wanted that attention so badly. Mm -hmm. And like, we weren't totally sure, like if he was looking for like a way to turn his life around, like publicly, like show that, you know, like he is a good person and blah, blah, blah. Um, but like for Emma Roberts, maybe she felt neglected. Maybe she was neglected. Like we don't totally know what went on in her upbringing other than the fact that, you know, Sydney was like the person who got the most attention in their family mm-hmm. as a result of all of these things that have happened to her. Right. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question, but I think that there's no. a lot of interesting things to think about when it comes to like what might have been the context of like why she's a crazy murderer. Yeah, no, that just, it brings up so many good points because when you think about, it seems like she is just coming from a single parent home because we don't see uh, a father figure in, in Jill's life. But I guess my next question in you discussing all of that, is it even believable then that this would be her motive when she seemingly does have friends who are around her, who care for her, um, a boyfriend that even though apparently they broke up because he cheated on her, but wanted her back. But, um, 
someone who was, you know, desiring her on top of still having like the love of her mom, would it see, would it be believable that she would still just be craving the attention of strangers when she has all these other connections? Yeah. I mean, that could be like kind of narcissistic, but I think also going back to like a core characteristic of a, a psychopath or sociopath is like the lack of empathy, like the lack of connection to other people. Um, and so, you know, she might be able to like see that they have formed bonds with her, Mm -hmm. but she might not actually care about any of these people. Like she might not have the ability to like form that same kind of attachment back and care unless it benefits her in some way. And so like she's been able to like manipulate those around her and like get things that she wants, but does she actually like have these relations in the same way that like, you know, Sydney, Sydney was isolating herself, but like actually had friends and like trusted people and like connected with them and was vulnerable with them. I think with Emma Roberts, what they're saying, like what I would imagine is that like, you know, she's like formed quote friendships with them, but in reality, she's just like using them, manipulating them, um, in order to like get what she wants out of those relationships. Yeah. Which is to be famous. No, that totally that they're all expendable. Sense. Yes, they're all expendable. And yeah, I guess it, it is just the emphasis of, like you said, those people can form relationships with her, but she has an ulterior motive. So that's the only reason why she's keeping those relationships around, not because she's actually invested in them. Mm-hmm. No, that's really yeah, good. Yeah, because you mentioned like even her mom, it's like, you know, it it could be even your mom. Like it's, yeah. it, you know, when, when you lack that empathy for other people, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the biological connect, the blood connection is to someone. Like if right. like you just don't have that ability to like foster those connections, you just don't have that. That is so crazy and so interesting. I mean, and she did make a side comment, Jill, in the movie about like her mother being like, oh, a sad casualty, but you know, whatever for the cause, you know, and it's just, it's insane to think about. But yeah, moving on to uh, Sydney, because now we see her in this type of resilient role of like Mm -hmm. immediately helping out the friend across the street when that death happened, which I thought was a really nice kind of recall to like Nightmare on Elm Street when, on the original one, when, you know, her boyfriend across the street, she's watching him getting killed, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, we see Sydney, like she's not even trying to call for the police or anything. She's just like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try to help with Mm -hmm. everything that has happened with her. Are we now to believe that she is fully healed enough in her trauma to be this resilient person? Or maybe it was because of her book that she wrote that was kind of like a cathartic experience for her. Yeah. I think I was talking to Brian about that when we were watching. Yeah. This is um, the the journey of Sydney through these movies, like, like in terms of behavior and PTSD and mm-hmm. all that is like very interesting to me. So I, I like constantly turn to Jamie during the movie and be like, okay, like, Yes. No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe so. Yes. Um. But no. I that was kind of my thought process too, Nikisha. That mm-hmm. like 
there could be some, like, could it be really empowering and like cathartic for her to, to like, you know, get this story out there and like take back control because this whole time, the story that's like out there is being told by the media. Mm -hmm. It's being told by Gail who wrote the book on this. (laughs) I wrote the book on it. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's, Everybody except for the person who, like, the story is actually about. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, you know, it has the potential to be really meaningful if she herself is able to, like, speak on her own experience and, like, use that as a way to process. There, like, you know, there's strategies in therapy, not saying that like writing a book is therapy, but like Mm -hmm. that could be helpful in processing really traumatic things like journaling, um, and things like that, that like help you kind of start to like, you know, take back the story and, and take away the, the like intense, overwhelming, feelings that are associated with it, like in the present, like Mm -hmm. the thing is no longer, well, in Sydney's case, it seems to always be happening, but for other people that aren't Sydney, um, like the thing that happened, like, isn't actually happening over and over. Well, again, in certain circumstances. And so like, you know, how do you, how do you like take back control over your life and like your emotions and, and, um, you know, your coping skills and navigating all of that. So like, I could see that being really, really helpful. Absolutely. And uh, in that same vein, so uh, her manager, Alison Bree's character, um, makes uh, a point about Sydney embracing being the victim. And I guess my question is, could that in a sense be a healthy way of coping with something as far as like, if you're the spokesperson for all of these things and embracing like that, even though for the manager's purposes, it was just so that she could write more books and and have more TV appearances. But mm-hmm. if in, in embracing being the quote unquote victim, could that be some type of like cathartic thing? Or is that something that we have to let go of that, um, of, of that name for ourselves? Like we don't, we don't need to be the victim. I mean, everyone is like very fixated on, on the term victim Mm -hmm. and it's, I feel like it's really complicated because like, I think that, I think that there's this, um, parallel between like, what is a victim versus what is a survivor Mm -hmm. kind of like, is this underlying thing going on of like, like, yes, she, she, like, Sydney has been on the receiving end of, like, these series of traumas that have impacted her and, like, happened, ar- like, around her and to her directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, you know, that could, that could disempower someone, that could, like, take things away from someone, like, literally and, you know, emotionally, psychologically, all of these are socially, all of these ways. Um, but, like, on the flip side, I think that, I think that Sydney is actually really resilient. And so, like, I almost wonder if she is rejecting the idea of, like, being a victim. Well, because also, like, I'm sure she's over the fact that, like, somehow she keeps stirring up 
these things that are happening. And so like, what does it mean for her to like be at the core, like being at the center of all of these things as like this victim? I think that she, I feel like she's trying, like she rejects being told to embrace it. I I kind of feel like, um, like when her, when her publicist is kind of like in her face about it, like she's rejecting it because like, that's also not who she is. Like the publicist is obviously like being a stereotypical publicist Mm -hmm. and and like that's just not who Sydney is and so like she rejects that which is kind of I don't know that's that's my take but I don't I don't know like what you guys think if like you feel like she's this quote stereotypical victim or like kind of acting like a victim in any way or Mm -hmm. if you feel like that doesn't necessarily define her because I don't feel like it does. I agree with that. I don't I don't see her as a victim as just being on the receiving end of things that have been happening because she is trying to well every time she fights back like in the moment physically, but she is also like trying to fight back with her life by taking back her life with the book and with being like a a crisis counselor in the third movie and trying to be like a help and not let the things that have happened to her hinder her from trying to help other people. Um, And I guess that is a good thing of just like victim versus survivor, but I would definitely, I mean, I say in the movie, Sydney's a survivor, (laughs) you know, she, (laughs) she has come out of all of these situations, not only just being alive, but also now still, uh, with her empathy and leading with, I'm still going to go and continue to help people. I'm not just going to sit in where I think where the whole cotton weary thing, like he was kind of on the side of just trying to still be a victim of it all and just Mm. like tell his, tell his story and like only gain the attention from that and not necessarily trying to move forward from that part of his life. Like he wants to hold on to that part of his life as long as he can give him everything that he wants in the moment. Where Sydney's yeah. just like really trying to move forward in life and move past it. But mm-hmm. Ghostface just won't let her because we have another one coming out. So geez. I just No, no, can't catch a break. No breaks for her. No breaks for Sydney. And can we just all agree that like if anyone has permission to never trust anyone again, like it has to be Sydney because like, come on. It's, it's the family, <laughs> the people closest to her. How do you even foster relationships with anyone? After all this, like everybody is a suspect. And even, and that leads me to this. Do you guys even have, do you have predictions for like Scream 5? What could happen? What could, who could die? Who a killer, the killer might be? Is it even going to be focused on them really? Like, or is it going to be like the new generation of people? What do you guys think? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> which is exciting, which is which is what is exciting about it. I think they're going to lean into new technology. I think they're mm-hmm. going to lean into the idea of fandoms taking over um content. Um mm. I think they're going to lean cuz like when we were watching this in my head I was like uh, 2011 is not too old, but I feel like he was Tapping into something that the cultural zeitgeist wasn't ready to tap into in terms of like what all of this social media and streaming is doing to us. And I feel like that definitely came through here. Um, My assumption is that this next one is going to be like I think about the world today. Reboots. Um, 
fans having opinions and being heard and then like studios listening to that. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if a lot of that is going to like infiltrate its way into the screenplay. Um, uh, or maybe it's a prequel uh, about Sydney in high school doing Peter Pan with Judy. <laughs> They retconned it in love this movie. Scene. They maybe they'll retcon it further. I love it. it's like, oh, we did the plays together. Remember? I'm just like, okay. We were an actor. We did the stuff together. That was a great scene though, too, with all like the shadows and and creepy things. I mean, like, it was, it was so silly. It was so silly. <laughs> or even just like, but it was the right the the exact right amount of not taking itself seriously and like being satirical and and all of the things mm-hmm. especially with the police scene with Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody mm-hmm. it's Adam Brody yeah um yeah and them like Anthony Anderson the longest death possible just continuing walking <clears throat> after being stabbed in the head oh, that was awful and- oh i hated that <laughs> But it was just like you're you're talking about, and it's one of those things of like talking about the rules, and then is the rule going to happen or not? You know, like one cop is going to go away, and then when they come back, they'll find the other cop dead in the car, and it's like, well, no, they're both back together now, and then they're both just going to die. So it was just it's it's just genius. It was a, it was a really great time. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, how are we feeling about? Dewey and Gail in this. I think they were there. I think I said mentioned in Scream 3 that it was, seemed like it was mostly about them. But this one, it just seemed like just enough. Gail is trying to get with the technology and the streaming and all the things and uncover the murders and Dewey's just being Dewey. Oh, oh Dewey. I, Dewey. Dewey not understanding what meta meant in the fourth movie did not make sense. That like really bothered me. Anyway, well, both of them because didn't she say like how meta can you get? And he was like, "What's meta?" And she was like, "I don't know." The kids just said it. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that second part. Maybe I don't know. But- I think that's what she said. She also was like, "I don't know." They they said it, so you know, here's here's where we're at. Well, it's like come on, Gail. I was happy that they started from a good place and not in a annoying place to an annoy another annoying place. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of their conversation got annoying, like, in general, when they were like, well, uh," it's weird because, like, I want her to help. But, like, also I understand that, like, she can't be part of a police investigation. But also him keeping her out of a police investigation wasn't because of the rules. It was because of his own, like, ego. So, like, that was annoying Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, They also got – they also were – this is 2011 – they get divorced in 2013, whether that's like yeah. whether that's like the official divorce date or whether they were like on the rocks beforehand. I'm wondering if like I don't know, but they just weren't featured as much in this one, which is fine by me. But they yeah. are featured in the in the middle, I guess. Um, uh, I think they were the they were the appropriate amount, and I did like I actually really did like the idea that Gail is a fish out of water now, um, where she just yeah. like didn't she just like couldn't find her groove again because like what does she write about she's like stuck in um woodsboro and like all Mm -hmm. that stuff and then she finally gets something juicy to sink her teeth into and then like her husband is keeping her away from it like that's some bullshit um so i'm glad that that i i mean their arcs weren't like amazing in this one not that i needed it um but they, Mm -hmm. they got the job done i guess no for sure 
And he got hit in the head with a bedpan, so that was funny. Multiple times. That girl was strong. I mean, all of Mm -hmm. the stabbing, didn't think twice about shooting. Also, Dewey still can't shoot anyone. He's just shooting into the abyss. Super annoying. Uh, But yeah, any other thoughts Uh, about this? My favorite part of the whole movie was that Robert Rodriguez directed uh, Stab. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. was very mm-hmm. funny to us. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I <laughs> so just re- stabbed. I really dug this. I think that uh, Mary McDonald, who plays the aunt, I wish she had more to do because she's a wonderful actress. Um, mm. I thought, weirdly, Hayden Panettiere was my MVP of this movie. I just thought she yeah. like she's a very of all of these movies with these random side characters, and I think Jamie's right. It might just be that one scene where she like lists off all of the movies. Um, also, like her hair was a little distracting, so I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> that short hair, but really, I, like slick back. Yeah, but uh, of all the like side characters in all these movies, like to me, she stands out in like all four of these. Pretty like it's maybe like her Parker Posey. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't even think of anyone else from the second one. And then um, like that stands out. And then the first mm-hmm. one there, they all stand out. Um, right. Yeah. So I, 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 she was, I, I enjoyed watching her. Um, uh, I just had a really, we had such a good time watching this. We even said in the middle of it, like Jamie even said like, this is so engaging. I'm having a really good time because like yeah. in the middle of scream two, we just kept looking at each other. Like, can we even like sit through the rest of this? Yes, and then screen three you got to watch that in three different parts in itself just to get through it oh woof Woof. actually scream three is not as bad not uh, (laughs) scream three is not as what am I trying to say hold on let me take a step back scream three is worse after seeing scream four like on a first viewing for me like, Fair. like, like the movies were already getting more and more like silly, and even Scream Two had that. So, like, I just mm-hmm. kind of anticipated Scream Three to be that way, just like was leaning into the horror comedy and all that. And then now watching Scream Four and like Wes Craven, like how Wes Craven got his groove back, like, <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> it made me appreciate. It made me. It made me just be like, Scream 3 felt like an obligation, whereas Scream 4 felt like his heart was in it, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because uh, you guys said that the people who are writing or directing did Ready or Not, or did they do both? They did Ready or Not. They did uh, uh, VHS. What was the other mm-hmm. one we watched, Jamie? Um, the road, something, the the anthology movie, the southbound, te- southbound oh, road, south southbound, yeah, southbound. That was really okay. good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like them, and I and I I really hope that this, I hope that Scream Five is as good as the uh, early reactions are saying. Okay. No. Yeah. Same. I mean, I have a feeling that we're now obligated. Gail, Dewey, or Sydney, one of them has to has to go. I think that might be that might be one of the moves. I'm gonna put, I my, put my have a preference. Yeah. <laughs> I I would put my money on Dewey that he finally like jumps in front of the knife for somebody else for Gail or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that would be my guess. Yeah. 
Jamie okay. seems like Jamie wants that to come true deeply. Yes. <laughs> I, well, more of what I was like imagining was just like, is he going to start limping again in this one? Because mm. he just like stopped. He did. Yeah, he healed. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's been a couple of years. Yeah. I guess he made a full full recovery. Well, it switched sides mm. and then it went away. So. <laughs> that was the worst. Oh, my God. Like, they couldn't even just, like, watch the last one to remember which thing he was Oh, man, doing. wild. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Fantastical. Well, Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, let's do, let's do some Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, Hilarious. what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to say 87. Jamie? I was going to say 76. This has a 60%. Damn. Oh, wow. we, All right. <laughs> we just loved it so the much. The franchise is showing its age, but Scream 4 is undeniably an improvement over its predecessor with just enough meta humor and clever kills. Can you tell me what the score was for three, two and three again, please? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, the audience score for this was 56. Ugh, people. Yeah. Um, the Let's see. Let's look at the Scream collection overall. The Scream yeah. collection overall, <clears throat> uh, oh, wow. Scream 2? I guess we did. Okay. So <laughs> – Scream, the TV show, has a 61%. Okay. Season hmm. one was really good. I enjoyed it. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. The original Scream has a 79%. Mm. Scream 2 is 81%. What? Scream 3 is 41%. And Scream 4, as we mentioned, is 60%. Wow. Does the Scream TV show f- is in the same world as this? How does that work? Like, how do they not talk about this? Or, like, will they talk about it in the fifth movie? I don't know. Like, what, what was that deal? Uh, from what I remember, because it was a while back when I watched the first. Yeah. But it was just it, literally the exact premise of and the exact storyline of the first Scream. But I want to say it was just in a different town and different people, but the same exact thing, like the same exact outcome and everything with the boyfriend and everything. Sorry, spoilers for that. But um, I don't remember it actually being like a reference to things that have happened. It was like its own entity, but just with younger people. But again, I could be like just missing something, but I just remember watching it and not thinking, oh, they're referencing whatever. It was literally just... They're following these kids, and there's the Randy in the group, and mm. then there's the the newer girl who moved into town or something and has the boyfriend, but, you know, the boyfriend is the one that's doing all the things. Like, yeah. Cool. All right. So. Shall we do uh, the four S's? Yes. 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 Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> okay, so we have the four S's, which are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, you're rating them one through ten, uh, ten being the best. 
Let's uh, start with skulls. How does this handle human behavior and mental health? Jamie. (laughs) (sighs) I'm, I'm like super torn. I mean, I think I'm going to give it a four because Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, Sydney is just continuing to be badass and empowered. Um, I think for the most part, people are acting like normal human beings in this movie, mm-hmm. mostly. But like, I don't know. Emma Roberts' motive is like questionable. <laughs> All right. Nikisha? Yeah, I was thinking around the four five area. So I'll give it a five just with the conversations about Sydney's journey in general. It seems more believable now with her resilience. I'll give it a five. Sure. I'm going to give it a five. I, I think I've given all most of these fives. Like it, it doesn't do it and it does it at the same time. Like it's, um, I'll just give it a five. Cause I don't think it does it worse than the other movies, but I don't think it does necessarily better. Um, yeah. scares. How scary was this movie? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give it a three because there was a jump scare that got me. But now I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But it did get me, and I was once again like, Ugh, "Why? How? Stop it!" Yeah. Um, but it's not like too spooky, scary. Nikisha, uh, I'll give it a little four and a half for the insides on the outsides, um, and there were a couple of jump scares. But I think it was also my surround sound that just the noise got me. It was just so loud. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it a four. I think this was the scariest of the bunch. Yeah. I mean, sure. it's not a fair comparison because I don't remember the first time I watched Scream um, <clears throat> and how scary <clears throat> it was. But this one actually, I felt like had like actual genuine scares, and the ghost face wasn't as goofy as he is in some of the other movies. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll go with that. All right, Shakes, how forgettable. Will you remember this? Is this something you might rewatch because you want to get more of that, inject more of that ghost face into your veins? <laughs> Directly into the veins? Yeah. Um, no, this was definitely more memorable than the last two. I think I would give it like a four. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely have been like thinking about it way more. I, I literally forget everything that happened in two and three. Truly. Yeah. Nikisha? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a six because it was great the first time and I was scared that it wasn't going to hold up when I watched it again, but it just does. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. Six. Yeah. yeah I gave it a six as well. Um, it holds up. I mean, it holds yeah. up in terms of like, it lived up to the hype that a lot of my friends have around this. Um, and I really enjoyed it and I'll definitely remember it as like the second best scream movie. Yeah. Attend that until next week. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so suggestions. What would you suggest? <laughs> uh, I'll go. <laughs> James sure. nodding her head. <laughs> I'm gonna. I said this earlier, but I'm gonna suggest the Screen Queens TV show oh, for sure. Emma Roberts uh, because it's fun and kooky and campy, and it is also a slasher, um, a slasher TV show. So Scream Queens. Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with um, – I went a little bit different. I just went with like a, a little-known Wes Craven movie that I really like, which is Red Eye with mm. uh, Rachel mm. McAdams and Killian Murphy. 
Uh, I saw it in movie theaters. I, I like it. It's really good. It, it's 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 good. But like, I feel like people don't remember it anymore. Like, so um, there was like uh, I remember. Oh, uh, Jamie, do you wait? Did she like on a plane? I'm sorry. What? Yeah. And did she like stab somebody with a yeah. pen? Okay, mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think I saw that in theaters too. Um. um so there's no more urban legend movies for me to recommend. Um, but I think I'm going to go kind of along the same veins as Nikisha. Um, and I'm going to, I really like the last season of American Horror Story that I like truly remember and really enjoyed is Coven. Mm. I love that season. I highly recommend it. I don't think you need to watch any of the other seasons, bef- like the two before to have to watch it since it's, an anthology show anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but Emma Roberts is just like the best at being a bitch in that. And I just think it's really funny. Um, and, and I like witchy stuff. So like sue me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. We got like a little bit of a, a witchy thing. Uh, yeah. Fantabulous. Ooh. Well, we're all super excited to watch Scream 5 and see what we're in for. But this has been wonderful. And also sadly – we should uh, be so proud it. of us. We did it. We watched the four Scream movies. Yes. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will miss, however, the dynamic duo of Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Sure. But mm-hmm. I am excited to see what new things are on the horizon with uh, this one. So thanks for listening, guys. You can follow us on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram at Talk Horror Pod, POD. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That includes things like Stitcher, Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And thank you. Fantabulous. Uh, well, I guess <laughs> I just want to sign off with what Brian said of – Scream for how Wes Craven got his groove back because <laughs> that was fantastic because that's exactly it. what it is, how Wes Craven got his groove back. So thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.